Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Grad Chat, where Phelan and I, uh, as hosted by PhD Balance, come on and talk with different current and previous academics about some of the topics that we might not be able to in grad school, but some of these topics that are so important affecting us, maybe they're taboo, maybe they're difficult. Either way, we want to create a space where we can start talking about that. So again, my name is Susanna Harris. I just finished up my PhD in uh, microbiology at UNC of Chapel Hill. And my lovely co-host is Fei Lin. Hi everyone, welcome to Grad Chat. My name is Fei Lin, I'm a PhD candidate in biochemistry at UCLA. And for, for today's Grad Chat, we're gonna be talking about seeking professional help when dealing with mental health. And we're really excited to have our special guest today, Brittany Ulorn, who just finished her PhD in cancer biology at the University of Arizona. And she's currently pursuing a career as a science writer. So Brittany, why don't you introduce yourself and let us know why were you interested in talking about seeking professional help at today's grad chat? Yeah, so thank you so much, Faye and Susanna, for that introduction and for having me on Grad Chat. Um, so as Faye mentioned, I just finished my PhD at the University of Arizona this past May. Oh, so grateful. <laughs> Such a sigh of relief, because um, now I get to pursue something I'm even more passionate about, which is science writing and science communication. Um, but the reason that I was interested in talking today on Grad Chat about seeking professional help is because it is something that I've had experience with and I've watched um, not only myself struggle with it, but so many of my peers and others that I've gotten to talk to through PhD Balance. Um, it has such a stigma. Therapy and seeking medical doctors and, um, you know, whatever kind of professional treatment you need, there is such a stigma around this, not just in academia and getting both the strength and the resources available um, in my experience is very difficult you know accepting that you need help is very hard and then once you accept you need it um, it's difficult to be able to pursue that especially as a graduate student who is essentially working a full-time job plus more um, so i just wanted to chat a little bit more about why um, it's so difficult to seek help how you can navigate it um, and things along those lines just to make sure that you know students in the future and just anyone can help support their mental health a lot better absolutely uh we're actually going to start out with we have so many questions but the chat is already asking more so i want to start out with that one we've got a question from phonetical uh or rob one of our regular listeners and it's always so fun to see people chatting in there um ask is there a difference between professional help and help from friends you know why what is the difference and, and why is it sometimes not enough to just go to friends Definitely. So I guess I'll preface this entire chat with anything I say. I am not a medical professional. I have a doctor in cancer biology, but I'm just going to speak from my experience and the research yeah. that I've done. Um, so in my opinion, getting help, no matter who it comes from, is essential. So if you need to seek help from friends and family, um, that is so important. But I think friends and family can't provide the same help and resources that a professional can. So um, for example, you know, my husband was someone that I talked to regularly about with my mental health. Um, and he was there, he was very supportive, always listened to me um, and provided the best advice he could, but he's not trained um, in this. And that's completely understandable. He doesn't have the resources. And because he's so close to me, whether it's a family member or a friend, they can't look at your situation objectively um, and help you get through these things. And for me personally, there were also 
things that were a little too vulnerable that I wanted to discuss with someone else. And I didn't feel quite comfortable sharing that with my husband or with my parents or friends. Um, it's just someone I, I needed to seek some other objective um, you know, professional. And so obviously professional in the title, right? They have the training to help you do this, whether it's an MD um, for a psychiatrist, a PhD for a psychologist, um, or even, you know, for a licensed therapist has a master's degree and they are literally trained with the tools to be able to come at your situation objectively. They have the resources to help you process things and get through things. Um, and so I think, that while support from friends and family is important and essential and you can't do the work without them, I think it's also especially um, important to seek help from a professional who really knows how to do this work and can provide you with those resources that a loved one unfortunately just can't. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's just... It, it is. It's about the type of help it's about, right? That I love that you pointed out that you do talk to your husband about this. It's not an either or, um, but that they, they serve different roles and, and they have different capabilities. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think you summed it up really well, Brittany. I think the main points that this is a third party objective person who is removed from your situation and is very beneficial. And the fact that the word professional is in there and they have training to help guide you in self-reflection or just it's a very different type of support that it's also really hard to describe if you haven't experienced therapy before I think to other people and you know this topic is also really close to me as well as I've had my struggles with seeking professional help in regards to my struggle with depression and it is just so complicated and and I really like how we started out with this question about professional versus support from friends, because that's also a question I've had to, uh, or people ask me a lot, what is the difference? And I also say like, it is also difficult to describe it until you've experienced what it's like. And it's, it's really, it's, it's different. And I think going through the experience is also very valuable as well. Yeah. Uh, for me, oh, I was just going to say for me, like, the biggest difference, it, it, it's sort of like when you get help from a, a, a trainer or coach, like if it's the difference between if your friend who's really great at soccer is teaching you soccer or, you know, a parent or things like that, like they might be able to teach you a lot, but they don't know exactly how to train you. They don't know how to listen and how to observe for things necessarily. So you might have just a better kind of learning experience, growing experience, if you can lean on a coach. And also there's something to be said for the fact that you can get upset with a coach, right? You can be annoyed, you can be, and you're paying them versus you're kind of carrying baggage when you're talking with friends as well, that they're just not, they're not there to just listen. Like they need to have the time to talk. Yeah. I think That's it's a also, great analogy. Yeah, I love that analogy. And kind of what you said um, along those lines got me thinking of, um, I know like when I was talking to friends or family about these things, if they weren't giving me the type of help that in that moment I needed, I got so frustrated with them. And that puts a strain on your relationship with that person. So that's why it's essential to seek this third party because these conversations are hard. Um, 
they will tear you down to the core, you know, and that's the point to rebuild you back up, but it can be hard to do with someone close to you if you don't want to risk straining that relationship. Awesome. Let's see, this might lead into our next question here, which goes into reflecting on what it says is how do you really know if you need professional help and what are the warning signs that you need to start to find help? Yeah, that is a great question. That's something I thought a lot about um, actually yesterday when I was doing the PhD balance Instagram takeover is, you know, how did I know when I needed to seek professional help? Um, because it was something I was very hesitant to at first and very actually against. Um, so a little bit of my backstory when, um, after my comprehensive exam, I had a quite a lackluster performance and it was tough for me because I had grown up as a perfectionist and a people pleaser. And I had built up these walls and this persona my whole life of the person that people wanted me to be. And so when I saw the disappointment on my PI's face, um, seeing how just, you know, I, I kind of failed him essentially, it really broke me. And that instigated um, the floodgates of my, all of the suppressed emotions and feelings coming out. And that led me to developing an eating disorder to cope with those emotions and to regain control in my life. I found that through controlling my food and exercise in my body, um, I was able to numb those feelings and feel better about myself. Um, so that worked. My anorexia worked wonderfully to numb myself. Um, for a good six months. And then I remember realizing, like, uh, you know, I, I noticed I'm really irritable and I don't enjoy spending time with my, at the time, fiance. Um, I really like can't stand to be around this guy. And this is someone who I'd been with for six years, I think at the time, and I loved to death, but I just hated him. Um, my parents, I couldn't stand talking to. I didn't enjoy my work. And so I thought that I could just go to a couple yoga classes and that would be a quick fix. Because as someone who was a high achiever and a perfectionist, um, it was just assumed, like I just expected that I myself was intelligent enough and strong enough to be able to get myself out of this. Um, Cause obviously, you know, I had, I had carried myself into through life at that, you know, up until that point. And so of course I could get myself out of this. I didn't need to seek help. That was weak to me. Um, and so I went to a couple yoga classes and it just got worse. And so I think when I started noticing the combination of physical symptoms, so for me, that was, you know, I was blacking out. I was shaking all the time. I slept maybe two hours a night. Um, I was obviously incredibly malnourished and skinny. Um, there was that coupled with kind of the emotional, psychological things I was noticing, like didn't enjoy spending time with my fiance, hated my parents, couldn't stand to look at my boss in the eye. I didn't want to be touched or hugged or loved. And I just couldn't find any joy in my life. I remember, I couldn't remember the last time I smiled or I genuinely laughed. And putting all these things together and realizing that yoga didn't fix it for me, um, I think that really pointed to me that I needed professional help in my opinion. I couldn't do the work alone. Um, and there's this, I was thinking of this this morning, there's this beautiful saying that my yoga teacher, Sam Rice says, and she says, um, you know, no one can do the work for you, but yet you can't do it alone. And mm -hmm. I think that's kind of, you know, now hearing that years later, that really sums up like how I knew when I needed therapy is 
there is so much work. There is so much work to be done and nobody's going to do it for you. No therapist can fix you. No dietitian, if you have an eating disorder, will magically make the weight come back. Um, but yet these are, especially with mental illnesses and mental health, these are not things that you can do alone and you need support, whether that is from a loved one or from a professional. And so I think, you know, for any of you out there that might be thinking, well, you know, I'm going through a tough time. Um, how do I know if I need to seek a therapist? I think it's just a matter of looking at the person you used to be, you know, when you potentially had so much joy in your life and the person that you want to get back to being, you know, do you feel like the current state you're in that you're just stuck? and that you're not finding joy in life and that the people that you love, you actually don't like anymore. Um, I think that's one big sign of when you know that you might need to seek a professional. Um, but in general, I don't necessarily know if there's a telltale sign of like, yes, I need to go to therapy. I think anybody can benefit from therapy. We all go through things in our lives, big or small. And I think everyone can benefit from seeking help of some kind of professional just to talk to all of you know talk through all of life's challenges and especially during grad school it is such a difficult time and there are so many stressors on you um, that you know I wish therapy was something that I had gone to a long time ago um, just to be able to support myself and my continued mental health and therapy is still something that I go to even though I'm now recovered from my eating disorder just because it it does wonders for me. Yeah. It, Sorry, that was a long-winded answer. To no, I mean, I think Faye and I spent the whole time just like, yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and I, that, that goes really well into the next thing. Uh, but, but first I want to touch on the fact of like, I think everyone should get therapy. Even if you're like, if you, first of all, yeah, like you said, everyone's going to struggle with their mental health at some time. I mean, if, if you have family members die, if you go through uh, like a loss of a relationship, whether that's a friend or a spouse or a, a long-term partner, things like that. If there's some, if you lose your job, these are actually going to affect your mental health. Like your mental health will be struggling. Um, it's good to, to feel comfortable reaching out to somebody. And it's also like, I get a lot of questions of how can I support my friend? And I'm like, go to therapy. And they're like, oh, I should tell him to go to therapy. I'm like, no, you should go to therapy because you need to make sure to be the strongest person that you can be. And I also need you to find out how freaking hard it is to get a therapist and to find a good one. Um, and so if you've gone through that system, you're going to be more empathetic and you're going to be able to say, instead of like, well, why don't you just find a therapist? You're going to say like, can I help you find a therapist? Um, Relatedly, the next question is how, how do you know, or how did you know when it might be time to seek out a psychiatrist for a prescription? So kind of related, maybe a different thing. Yeah, so, um, so in my situation, I don't see a psychiatrist, but I saw a, or I continue to see a licensed professional counselor who has a master's mm -hmm. degree, but then I also combined that with a medical doctor who could prescribe prescriptions. So yeah, important distinction, some can, um, some like therapists can also provide you prescriptions. Others like mine cannot. So um, for me, I started out just going to my counselor, my therapist. Um, and that was in the depths of my eating disorder. And I noticed when I first started going to therapy, I wasn't yet quite ready to accept the work. And so my eating disorder actually got a little worse because um, it's like a recovery is a roller coaster. Um, but at that point, I noticed I needed to seek a medical doctor to be able to get a prescription um, for 
uh, at the time it was anti-anxiety and anti-depressive like, medication. And so for me, it was, yeah, just noticing that the work I was doing in therapy was great, but I was at such a low in my life and I had no sleep that I couldn't necessarily put my full self and my full energy into the work. Um, and I needed that extra help of a prescription. Um, and I have no shame about that now, but I think that's another thing like therapy. There's just so much stigma around not only seeking a person to help you do the work, but seeking chemicals to help you do the work. Um, and so that was another big battle I had to get over. But I think just recognizing that I needed in that time, a combination of things to help me get out of that hole that I had, you know, found myself in. Um, so yeah, that's how I knew when I needed to seek another professional to get um, prescription medication. Yeah. And another follow-up, I love when this stuff kind of flows together because it is nuanced. Um, Jaden in the chat asked, uh, I'd love to know how, like whether a nutritionist was helpful or is, uh, are they helpful? What have you had experience with those? Um, and like what they do, what is it? What is a nutritionist? Yeah. So I, um, along the lines, I noticed therapy wasn't enough. And my therapist even recommended that I work with, um, a dietitian. Uh, so I sought the help of a non-diet dietitian. I think it's important for especially those people who are battling eating disorders or who have any type of disordered thoughts around food in their body to seek a dietitian that specifically specializes in non-diet approaches to wellness. Because um, I think it's just important to not have that messaging at all or have that lens look at you. Um, so with my dietitian, I think her work with me um, was essential. And it was a beautiful compliment to the work I was doing in therapy. And it was a beautiful compliment to the help that I had from um, my prescription. And so with her, um, she introduced me to what's called intuitive eating. So it's this philosophy of tuning into one's mind body connection when it comes to hunger and fullness, um, not worrying about diet mentality and just kind of accepting that your body will help you um, know how much to eat and when to eat and what to eat. And um, that was wonderful. But at the time in my eating disorder, I wasn't yet ready for that. So initially she um, just talked to me about my fears around food. I remember she like homework she had for me before our session was just to write out things that I was afraid of surrounding food or my body. Um, and we talked about those things and we talked about why I might be afraid. And we talked about um, what I was eating at the moment. Um, and so she actually had me uh, like log with her the things that I was eating and I would take pictures of it and show her portion sizes. Cause it's one thing for you to say like, oh, I had oatmeal for breakfast. But then when you're having like this much oatmeal, when you should actually be having this much oatmeal, a picture really can help. So it was nice for her to see what I was eating, listen to my fears objectively. She never once shamed me for how I was feeling and she was very compassionate about it. But little by little, she helped me um, kind of banish those fears. And so little by little, we would introduce foods that I used to love, but that I had become so afraid of like nut butters or avocado um, or rice. And little by little, we'd add it and we'd talk about it and we'd say, okay, how did you feel when you tried this? What if you could add a little here? Um, and I think another important thing is, so she helped me do a lot of work with food and food fears and getting my intake up because I was anorexic. So I was just completely restricting food. Um, she also helped me think more objectively about weight. 
So I had become so afraid of not only numbers of calories, but I became scared of numbers of pounds. And so she helped me kind of unravel that. And she didn't, um, she didn't ever let me weigh myself. I was banished from the scale, which was beautiful. Haven't come back since. Um, but she wouldn't ever, you know, she would at the time when I was deep in my anorexia, she would weigh me because it was important for me to get my weight up, but she would never tell me what that was. Um, and she would just tell me, okay, you're up from last time. Great job. Um, so she helped me disconnect from my weight. And then lastly, she helped me change my thoughts around exercise. So I had become someone who exercised to the point of blacking out, but also used it as a compensatory mechanism for things that I had eaten. Um, and so she helped me explore my relationship to exercise and think about what types of movement actually benefited my body and supported it. So I thought the only way to exercise exercise was by lifting weights or doing intense cardio. And I thought if you weren't doing those things, you were lazy, but she helped me kind of break down that, um, idea and, you know, show me that things like swimming or yoga or, um, you know, I don't know, just hiking can be beautiful ways to take care of your body and still, um, get that movement that you need, but in a less obsessive way. So she changed my whole relationship around food, helped me increase my weight, which was needed, but also just helped me develop this intuitive eating mindset where I now, you know, don't worry about having disordered thoughts around food and my body. And I'm just able to accept um, myself because I think something that's important to note is that eating disorders aren't really about the food, um, but it is important to work with someone to help you get out of that state of malnourishment and get into a mindset where, you know, food is neutral and just respect your body. So that was my experience. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think that that, that kind of story will resonate. And I love hearing that she validated your fears. And I think that that can be a really big, that can be really scary going in to find somebody that it's this fear of and going back to the idea of versus pro professional versus a, a friend help is that it's pretty common and understandable when you go to a friend and they say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, let's fix it. Like you, you can't do that. And it's, it, this isn't normal. Like let's, let's fix you. And a good professional will just let you talk and, and will say, maybe you're not ready to tackle this right now. That's okay. Like I want you to get to that point, but yeah, they're not going to, you're not going to walk in there like my biggest fear going to a nutritionist was that I was going to walk in and have them say, this is, well, I had two fears. One, they're going to say like, this is fine. Like you're just, you're fine. <laughs> um, uh, which was not the case. Uh, or have them say, this is really bad. You have to go make up for this. You have to just go eat everything and throw all of these fears away and just jump in. And, and that's not what happens. Yeah, I think that's so important to not to have someone who can help you take it slow because it's not it's not like you can go one day from eating very, very minimal calories to, oh, I'm just going to eat all the things tomorrow and I'm going to be better and there's going to be no problem. It doesn't work like that. Like you've changed your body from a metabolism standpoint that it cannot handle that. Um, and so it's important to have someone who can help you do the work to take it slow, um, but also be there for you to not tell you that your fears are irrational because your fears are valid. Um, and it's, it's understandable. But yeah. Someone who can help you guide you through the work slowly. Yes. Yeah. I love these grad chats. <laughs> I think like, <laughs> I, 
you know, I reflect on my journey seeking professional help and I felt so lost in the details. And like, I think hearing people share the story of like the complexity of different, having different types of support, what exactly is the difference between friends and professionals and also navigating the stigma when it comes to seeking professional help. I think those were things that I would have loved more open dialogue about when I was going through that journey and knowing how complex it was and knowing that it would be full of ups and downs, it wouldn't be instantaneous and that there was so much to learn. It is fantastic, I think, to hear from uh, your, your story, Brittany, about you know, just being open about how it was a journey and how there are so many layers to it. And just, it's great that I think we are putting those ideas out there because it, a lot of people don't anticipate how complicated and how much of a journey that it can be. So it, I love this Gretchen. Um, <laughs> if we could go to this next question, which I think is related to our current times. It says, what's our, your advice on whether or not to start seeking out a therapist during the pandemic? I'd say there's no time better than the present. <laughs> um, so just something that I've noticed in terms, and I don't know what this person's situation is, um, but for someone like myself with an underlying mental illness and someone who um, continues to, you know, at times find myself having thoughts that I used to have that were very triggering, this pandemic has only exacerbated it, right? I think I mentioned I needed my eating disorder because it gave me a sense of control over things that I felt in my life I lacked control. And this pandemic is the epitome of that. It is so out of any of our control. It's frightening. You have no idea what tomorrow is going to look like. And um, it's been very triggering for me. And so if I, um, if I didn't have a therapist, now would be a perfect time to seek that person out. Um, because, you know, I, I just need someone to help me do the work and hear my fears. And I think especially with the pandemic at times, we can feel that, um, you know, the way we feel might be irrational. Or I remember for me, one of the things that really upset me was the fact that I had defend, to defend my PhD virtually. And in the grand scheme of the world, right, with people dying and people who don't have access to healthcare, that seems so minute. Um, but I needed my therapist to tell me like, look, you recognize this, that your situation, you have privilege, but yet your feelings are so valid and this is really affecting you. Um, and so I think it's important to seek out if you feel like you're struggling or if you feel like during the pandemic, these um, everything that's going on is really triggering to you or it's making you, um, you know, a bit more stressed or anxious. You're finding yourself potentially depressed. I think it's important to seek help. Um, and I know, like, for example, my therapy is usually in person, but I know a lot of people have moved to teletherapy and mine has, she and I um, talk over Zoom now, but there are so many existing like teletherapy options that it is easy to seek therapy, especially now. You do not have to go in person. Um, and so I just think there's no better time than now to help support you through this um, unpredictable time in the world, but then also just to set you up for the future um, to support your mental health. So I am all for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think whenever, from my perspective, whenever I see this question of, oh, is it, should I do therapy? I'm not sure about it. And I think it goes back to what we were saying before, where anyone can benefit from therapy. And it's not just a, 
something you go to to treat a current struggle, but something you go to to manage mental health in general, like how you go to a doctor for like a annual checkup or, or something that can equip you with tools to manage your day-to-day struggles. And you don't have to be at a particular point to go to therapy, but it's, and that's something that took me a while to learn too. I was just like, oh, I'm not struggling enough to go to therapy. I don't, you know, I don't need it or people. And then it also thoughts of stigma and just all of these layers of complexity, making it really difficult to seek, even take the initial step to seek professional help. So I, I really like how we touched upon that therapy is really great for everyone experience and great to help you manage your mental health and you don't have to be at a certain point to seek therapy. Yeah, I think Faye, you bring up a great point. That was a struggle for me when I initially sought therapy is I didn't think that I was a quote unquote bad enough case, whatever that meant. I just didn't, you know, you see on TV, like the media portrays people who go to therapy as those who might be really, really struggling. And I didn't want to be stigmatized as that person. And I also didn't think that my situation or my fears or what I was struggling with qualified as a just enough reason to go to therapy. But yeah, it's a beautiful point that there is no right or wrong situation to be in to need to seek professional help. Um, Anybody can benefit from it. And if you have any thoughts or any feelings of struggling, no matter their extent and no matter what they're about, whether it's your PhD defense or a loved one who passed away, like, please seek therapy. Anybody can benefit. And we're, we've got a, a note in the chat too, talking about how um, someone worked with a therapist for a while and then stopped or a nutritionist in this case and stopped um, because of cost. And I think cost is a really big barrier. Um, I get a lot of people, at least on my side who say like, yeah, I want to do a therapist, but wow, they're so expensive. Um, and there are lower cost therapy options. Another thing is that you can go to a therapist once a month. I know that, you know, <laughs> People have a lot of shoulds around therapy of like, oh, you should see this person, this person, this person. Even a little bit is better than nothing. Um, And like, yes, it costs money, but you can, it's oftentimes there's ways to move around your budget. And if not, like that's like, I feel like that stigmatized as well. That's an additional layer of fear. Um, But there are, you know, groups that chat that are facilitated by somebody who has that master's degree, who is a licensed therapist that, you know, therapy can look very different. I think that's why you call this professional help. It wasn't seeing a psychologist, right? Like those are all of it counts. Yeah, I agree. I I'm very lucky to be able to afford seeing a therapist. And at the time I saw her on a weekly basis. Um, But I understand that that is not everyone's situation. But like you said, therapy does not have to be you sitting one-on-one with an MD or a PhD or someone with a master's on a weekly basis. Um, It can be going to a group setting, which is a great thing that you brought up. I know at my university um, where I did my PhD, our counseling center has group sessions, which are um, either very, very low cost, or they have some that are completely free where groups talk and it is monitored um, or moderated, I suppose, by someone who is a licensed professional. Um, but that's therapy, right? That's seeking professional help. Um, 
you know, just look for something. And like you said, like you don't have to go once a week or once a day or once a month. Like if you can just go every now and then, if you can find room in your budget, it's so important because um, I know something that really bogged me down was I, I felt like I was wasting um, our, my, me and my like new husband's money. Like I'm wasting our money on myself, right? Like this is so selfish of me. We're tapping into our savings to afford this. Um, but I had to look at it from the perspective of like, this is so important because I am investing not only in saving myself right now, but I'm investing in our future. I'm investing in myself for the next however many years I live. I'm investing in myself as a wife, as a future mom. Like I found that, yes, it was hard to find the money to do so. And thankfully I could, um, but it was a lifelong investment that was so necessary and worth it to me. But yeah, I understand that cost and finances are a huge barrier to therapy. Yeah. And I think it's, it's worth noting, um, like anorexia has the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. Um, and so it's not eating disorders and getting help for mental health are not secondary to other forms of wellness. Um, it is having safe mental health is needs to be a priority because it does affect every other facet. Like I, I sometimes think about it of like, oh gosh, can I, do I want to pay for this or do I want to pay for something else? And it's like, you know what, if I can't enjoy those five like coffee drinks that I have to forego now to do the therapy, like what's the point in drinking them anyway? Like just figure out something, even if it's, even if it's free. Yeah. And I know even at maybe advocate at your university, I know um, we were lucky to have a scholarship for students um, and it, you know, it only supported a handful of students, but it gave $500 grants to go literally towards seeing a professional. Um, so potentially look for those kind of scholarships or advocate for those at your university um, to be able to get that money that you need to be able to seek a professional. That's awesome. Yeah, it really resonated with me when you were talking about feeling like you were wasting money when you were putting, uh, putting effort into into continuing with therapy. And I think it also took me some time to realize like these negative thoughts about like, oh, do I deserve to get help and stuff like that was also attributed to the mental health struggle. And that was one of the reasons that I needed to go to therapy to kind of challenge those thoughts and say, you know, I am, my wellness is important and it is very, it's not selfish to invest in myself. If anything, it I love how you brought up, you know, this, I'm investing in being a, you know, in being a wife or a future mother, or like I am investing, this isn't a selfish move. If anything, this is a really healthy thing to do to support myself. And I think therapy really helped me challenge negative thoughts and get in a healthy mindset that I matter, you know, ultimately that, that is one of the main things that helped therapy has helped me do at, le- at least gain some more self-worth or self-confidence and then looking back I really one of the hurdles in seeking uh professional help was the fact that I thought I didn't deserve it because of my mental illness and it's just the cycle <laughs> yeah it's vicious it's such a barrier um and I think that made me think of a analogy that I like to use that you know when you're on an airplane um, what is an airplane during this pandemic? But anyway, when you're on an airplane and they're like, put on your mask before helping someone else. 
And I think that's beautiful mm. because we spend so much of our lives helping others, taking care of our loved ones or our friends or our children. Um, and it's essential to be there for those people, right? But we usually do that at the expense of ourselves that we forget to take care of ourselves. And you have to remember something that I learned in therapy is it is not selfish. Like you said, Faye, it is not selfish and self-centered to put yourself first. Um, and so I know like people think about, oh, well, what are the most important things in my life? And they list all these things, but themselves is never on that list. And for me through therapy, what's taught me is I am the most important person. I am the most important thing in my life. Um, because if I can't be the best version of myself, then I cannot be the best wife, mother, employee. Um, so it's so important to invest in yourself, no matter how that looks. Absolutely. We are already like 10 minutes over time, which is amazing. I literally every single time Faye and I are like, can we just do this for like two hours or like not? Um, But what I would like to do instead, and and Faye, let me know if this works for you as well. But Brittany, I would like to invite you to a future grad chat because we have a ton of questions we didn't get to, like specifically about mental health in grad school. I mean, you run the PhD Stronger Together stuff, so you know what our October, November is looking like. I think that could be just an amazing time. Would you be interested in doing that? Of course. Yeah, I would love to. So just um to let people know what we have going on for stronger together so october is going to i know shameless plug it's incredible it's something i'm so passionate about um but october is going to be all about mental health distress in grad school so it's going to be looking at stigma how to maybe recognize it in yourself things that we were talking about today looking at it in other people and how to make your um, university a more supportive environment of mental health and mental illness And in November, we're going to take a deep dive into the four most common mental illnesses among grad students. So we'll be having all these kinds of conversations and more. So I would be honored to come back and discuss this more because there's so much to say. Um, So yeah, I'd love that. (laughs) Absolutely. Yay. Well, is there, Brittany, is there anything before before we let you go, is there anything else that you want to tell the viewers? Like there's tons of people who stayed on for this whole time, um, which really speaks to how important this topic is. Is there anything else that you want people to kind of? Yeah, I guess um, I just want to end by saying like, if you showed up today and even if you're watching this later, like if you're thinking about your mental health and if you're wondering, should I be seeking professional help? That is wonderful. That is the first step. Um, it takes so much strength to recognize that you might need help. So I commend you. And I think an important thing for me to remember that I want to tell all of you is that it is not weak. It is not a sign of weakness to need professional help. Um, It's also not a sign of weakness to seek the help of loved ones. So know that it takes so much strength and vulnerability to recognize that you need help and then to seek that. So um, just please remember that you are not a weak person for needing help and it will benefit you for years to come. Um, so yeah, I hope you are able to find, if you do not currently have um, the support of a professional, I hope you are able to find the means to do so. Absolutely. I think that's a great note to end on that. <laughs> that uh, this was great. <laughs> And again, there's so much to talk about and we would be so excited if you would come back, Brittany, because there is a lot more, if anything, talking more about how this, this can be navigated on top of being in grad school, because I think those are very, they're very specific contexts of grad school that make seeking professional help difficult. So definitely, this was great. I think we're going to keep this conversation 
going on PhD Balance. Oh, yeah. And I guess we'll wrap up. So Grad Chat happens every Saturday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> so if you liked what you saw today, join us again. We're, we're here live every Saturday, different topic, cool guests. And I guess we'll just say goodbye until next time. <laughs> I hadn't thought about how difficult it is to sign off if you're not the one clicking the button. Uh, yes. All right. Bye, everybody. Make sure to bye. like and subscribe and send it to people. Okay. Bye. Thanks for watching. <laughs>